I'm Brian Vickers, and um, I live here in Louisville. This is, like I said, this is my, I think, my eighth year here at GMHC, um, speaking and being involved. It's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, I live right here in town. Um, I teach at a seminary right down the road called Southern Seminary, um, and this is one of my sort of favorite talks to give, actually. I change it up a lot every year, and so we'll see how this goes. It's one that everybody's always really interested in. Um, but I have a question for you right off the bat. Who feels an overwhelming sense of a calling to stay home? Right? Um, and if you do, how do you know? Like, what is that? Or what do you base it on? Um, because most of us right now are home, right? Whether this Louisville is your home or not. Most of, like right now, at this very moment, none of us are out in the nation somewhere. Or do you have a do you have a sense that God is saying to you, you know what you need to do is just stay put. And if you do have a sense of that, I'm not saying you do or don't. And it's not a loaded question, actually. It probably sounds like a loaded question, but it isn't. But do you have a do you have a sense that God is guiding you to stay? And you might, but you might not. Um but do you have sort of this burning, deep desire just to say, you know what, I need to stay put. Like, stay home or bust. Right? Now, you probably don't, because you really don't really think about it. Because um, we never really think about having a calling to stay, or guidance to stay. We just stay. Right? That's what, that's what we do. And we don't think about it so much. So, that being the case, what is a missionary call? I mean, is it something you feel? What's it mean to feel called to missions? Is it called to a particular place? Is that involved? It might be. Is it called for a lifetime? Or is is the missionary call just simply a call to go into full-time missions somewhere, anywhere? That's not home. Right? As long as it's not home. Right? And typically we also think of it as being far away from home. Not just like to another state or something like that. I mean, sometimes we sometimes we think of it that, that think of it that way. But sometimes when we talk about the missionary call, I kind of feel like there should be like dim lights and some kind of eerie music or some kind of like humming or something going on because we we think of it in such a mysterious kind of way. And sometimes we do that because we've we've heard of other people who had like a a missionary call and it was uh, dramatic. Right? I mean, we all know these. We all we all know a few people who have some kind of dramatic, overwhelming sense of just all of a sudden. I had a sense. I'm not speaking personally, but all of a sudden, I had this sense. I've heard people say that God wanted me to go, and the next thing I knew, I was in Mongolia or somewhere, just out of the blue. And we all we all sort of know people like that, or we've heard people like that. But you know, most people I know, and I know, I know. I know my fair share of people who are overseas in missions or doing sort of missions in other places here at home. The overwhelming majority of those people don't tell that story. That they had all of a sudden like this super dramatic experience. Like God, they shot up out of bed in the middle of the night and or saw a light or something like that or heard a voice or anything like that. The overwhelming number of people I know who are actually engaged in missions don't have that sort of experience. But often when we talk about missionary call, we, whether we admit it or not, we sort of think of it in that way. 
some kind of very dramatic event that takes place, like a one-time event that you go from sort of zero to 60, right? You go from I'm home, and then I opened my eyes, and I wasn't home anymore because God sort of picked me up, sat me down somewhere else, right? But that doesn't typically happen. Uh, but sometimes, you know, there's certain missionary biographies you can read, and you read about those things happening, and we kind of make that... So we start to talk about the missionary call as though it's, it's almost something you can't even talk about or explain. Now, lately, and by lately, I mean somewhere in the last 20 years or so, people have gotten away from using the word call, missionary call, and we'll talk about guidance. Well, and I understand that, and I kind of like it better, but let's be honest, it's just a word, right? It doesn't fundamentally change how we think of it, really. Because if we somehow outlaw, if we somehow outlaw using the word call, then what we're going to do is say, I don't understand how God's guiding me. Which is the same way we might say, I don't understand how God's calling me. Or how do I know if God's calling me? Okay, wait, we outlawed that word. We can't use calling anymore. So we say, how do I know if God is guiding me? I don't know, but it, you know, so you see what I mean? So, I mean, it, it, I like the word guidance better, but at the same time, it doesn't solve sort of all the problems. And that is, we still are going to have this question, how do I know? How do I know? If I, or what is it? Like, how, how, how do I experience it? Or how will I, how will I know if God is guiding me this way or that? What, what does it I mean? Again, is, is that a feeling? Do I feel guided? Uh, is it a sort of like a, a sustained feeling I have? Does it come and go? And when we talk, when we swap out the word call for the word guidance, we, we end up talking about guidance in exactly the same way we tend to talk about the word calling. We just, we just do, because it's, it's a word, and, and, it, and we mean the same thing by it. So simply swapping out the word, I think, um, I don't think changes it quite, quite so much. Um, but we can have sort of strange ideas of what, about what it means to have can't have a guidance, guiding into missions. I mean, some people, when we think about missions, we, we think of it with like sort of an overwhelming irony, right? We think that God causes only ironically, right? I mean, I hear this quite a bit. I hate hot weather. I hate bugs. I hate weird food. God's put me in a rainforest for sure, right? Because that's what God does. He only does ironic things. Uh, but he doesn't. I mean, sometimes that happens. But a lot of times, we, I mean, I hear that a lot. I, hear, I mean, somebody say, I hate cold weather. I know God's sending me to Siberia. I think, well, why? Because, I mean, God's not just a trickster, you know, just waiting to, you know, just, aha, show you, you and all your desires for not hot weather. I'll stick you where it's hot just to show you something. That's not how God is. God's not sort of peevish. And that, I mean, we are, but God isn't. And sometimes God does do that, right? But... And, he, he, and I know all kinds of people who end up in places they never would have dreamed. Like right now, I know a girl, um, a woman who's in Bangladesh. And the first time she ever got to Bangladesh was she got off the plane with suitcases in hand and three kids. That was her introduction to Bangladesh. Her, her husband had been there five years ago or so on a short-term mission trip. And he just couldn't get out of his mind. He came home and said, we need to go to Bangladesh. And she said, you need to go maybe. I don't share the same idea. 
and then sort of a lot of things happened five years later. She ended up she ended up being there, and so she has this story. She's like, and it's the same sort of thing. I don't really like hot weather. I don't like weird food. Um, and so here I am in Bangladesh. But I know the majority, the majority of people I know who are doing missions and whatever we mean by that don't always tell that story. Now, I can always remember going to missions conferences. We're at a missions conference right now. Uh, or having missionaries come speak at the church, and you'll hear questions like this. Do you have a legitimate reason not to go overseas in missions this right, right this minute? A legitimate reason. And that can't include, that, that can never include, like family issues or even, even most or many health issues or anything like that. And so you're, you get to ask this question, do you have a legitimate reason not to go? And then whoever's speaking will kind of carve that word legitimate down to you don't have a lot of options. Right? Because nothing is now legitimate. Because all my legitimate reasons now are just selfishness. Right? And you can feel that. Everybody has felt that way. Every single person has felt that way. Because then, then, the, then, the, then the, you know, right, right, following, if you don't, then what are you doing here? Why are you here right now? If you don't have a legitimate reason to be as far away from here as you can, sharing the gospel with people, then what are you doing here? And so, you know, and, 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 some, and I understand, I mean, there's, there's something to that, I suppose. But what that tends to do is just sort of make us feel guilty. And the worst motivator in the world is guilt. Now, guilt, there's, there's, I mean, guilt has certain uses. But as a long-time motivator to make you stick and do something, it will never work. It just won't. It just won't because God doesn't drive us according to guilt. God's in the business of taking away our guilt. Right? And so we, we want to be careful about the, how, how, we, how we talk about it. Uh, and then sometimes people be even more heavy-handed. I've heard, I heard this. This is a quote. I'm not going to tell you. We, I could tell you, but you wouldn't know who it is. But whatever the case. Everyone has a call to go to the nations. It's just a matter of whether you follow it or not. Right? So, and, and, and this was repeated several times over and over with kind of ferocity in a sermon I was listening to. And finally I was like, man, look at this. There's like 400 people here living in just outright disobedience. Every single one of us, all of us here in this room are just living in absolute, flat-out um, disobedience to God. Because we're all called to go to the nations, we're just not there. Therefore, we're disobeying. Well, let me, tell you, let me talk to you a little bit about my own personal call to missions. Number one, I'm not a missionary. In the, now, I'm going to just use that term in the traditional sort of sense, right? I'm not going to try to, I mean, I understand, right? And, but, I, but for our purposes, I'm just going to use that word in the typical way. Whether it's the best way or not, I'm just going to use that word in a very typical way, in a very traditional sort of way. It might, be, it might not be the best way, but I'm not going to use the word missionary and then qualify it with eight sentences every time I use it, right? So we're just going to try to be simple, right? And if so, so, I mean, because I know a lot of people don't like this word. Mission, missionary. And that's fine. But we have to use some word. I can't just make up a new word and, and then use that, like can or something. I don't know. You know, wall. I mean, I'm not going to make up some new words. So I'm just going to use this word, missionary. So I'm not a missionary. I'm not preparing to go overseas at this moment that I know of. I'm not even a missions teacher. I teach at a seminary with missions teachers, but I'm not a missions teacher. And I'm not a missions pastor at my church, right? You're probably like, wow, 
They really got an expert in here to talk about this, right? I mean, look at this guy. Right? He's, this is the guy I want to hear talk about the missionary call. This guy who is none of those things, right? I mean, this doesn't instill you with a lot of confidence. But you're already here, and it's going to be awkward if you walk out. So you're probably, unless you're just so obstinate, right, you're, you're going to stay put, right, unless you really want to make a point. But you're not, you don't want to do that, right? It looks bad. Okay. So anyhow, so, so that's my calling. But let me, let me tell you how I got interested. Let me tell you how I ultimately ended up here at GMHC talking to you about missionary call. Of course, I was always, since I've, become, since I've been a Christian, I've always been interested in missions. Who isn't? Like, raise your hand if you're not interested in missions. That never happens. Nope. There are, there, <laughs> there is a particular denomination from the, I'm from, from the, I'm from West Virginia. And there is a particular denomination called non-missionary Baptists. Have you ever heard, anybody ever heard of them? None of you. See, 100% of you have not heard of them. But I'm not kidding. On the sign on the church, it says, first non-missionary Baptist of whatever. Now, these churches, as you can imagine, don't have a lot of hope of growth. Right? I mean, they have kind of being obsolete is built into the title. And that's kind of, that's, that's kind of what happens is uh, they just keep getting smaller, and you can tell, right? I mean, obviously, right? I mean, so, but other than that, and nobody except me bring, knows about it. Now I wish I hadn't even brought it up. Nobody knows, nobody knows about that. And so if you ask people, Christians, raise your hand if you're not interested in missions, nobody's going to raise their hand. So, of course, I was always interested in missions. I read missions biographies. I gave to missions. I love to hear about missions. I love to hear from missionaries when they come speak, at least you know, most of them. But it wasn't until I had this really remarkable otherworldly experience where I felt like God spoke to me in a clear voice and I knew what he wanted me to do. So I'll tell you about my missionary call. So one day I was at church. Right, that was a good start. It's a good place to begin. And church was over. I'm walking down the aisle. Not up the aisle, I'm walking down, I'm walking, walking, going out, going out the door. And uh, all of a sudden I felt a tap on my right shoulder. I'm not making this up. I felt a tap on my right shoulder. And I turned around. I'm not kidding you. I'm not, there was nobody there. Nobody. But it was a distinct tap, and I felt it. So much so that I turned around, like completely turned around. There's nobody there. And then I turned around and left the guy standing over on this side, because he'd done one of these things to me, to get my attention, right? He had tapped me on this, he's standing over here, tapped me on the right shoulder. So I turned around, there's nobody there. I'm like, what's going on? Oh, here he is. And so it's like this jokester guy. And it's a student of mine, and he says, you know, we have this trip to South Asia, and we just lost our team leader, our faculty leader. And if we don't get a new faculty leader, we can't go. Would you go? Now, I've, I had lived in, in, in Europe for a while, working there, um, but that's it. I've been in Western Europe, lived in the U.K. for a time. I'd never been, you know, out, that's, that's as far as I'd ever gone. Uh, I'd always kind of wanted to, and so he said, Can you, you know, do you want to go to South Asia? And he told me where. And I said, you know, I really need to think about it. Yes, I'll do it. And so I did. And then I said, yes, and I said, I'm probably going to talk to my wife about it first, but because uh, it, was, it was a two-week trip, but I knew she'd say yes, and so that's what it was. That is 100% how it happened. I was standing there. Somebody said, do you want to go? Now, obviously, that's different than being sort of led to go for a lifetime, 
But that's how it started for me. That just like that. A tap on the shoulder. We need somebody to go. There's a trip going. It's available. Will you go? Yes, was my entire thoughtful answer. And that's how much thought I put into it. I just went because there was a chance to go. And there was no reason not to go. And that's how I felt about it. I felt like I have an opportunity. I can't tell in any way but that taking this opportunity is in some way sinful. Um, I'm going to go, and if God wants to stop me, he'll, he'll do that. He'll make it really clear. Right? Because we, we spend a lot of time looking for like open doors. But the fact is, there's open doors all around us. And what we need to do is sort of walk through them. If God wants to shut it, he will, and you will know. But a lot of times we spend tons of time waiting for open doors, and there's open doors everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it's just a matter of whether we'll walk in. Sometimes we won't walk through them because we want to sit back and think, I just don't know if God's guiding me through this door. That's, I mean, here's an opportunity. I just don't know. Well, yeah, because you haven't tried to go through it. But if you try to go through it, you might find out real quick that that door slams. And it's, I'm just telling you, I haven't, I'm, I haven't been, I've been a Christian for a little, quite a while now, and I know this for a fact. I don't know lots of things for a fact, but I know this for a fact. It is way easier to tell when a door's closed than when it's, I mean, the doors are open, but it's, it's always clear when one closes. Right? I mean, I know some people who just sort of keep bashing their head against the closed door until people are like, look, you really need to understand this. But we all know when things shut down. It's pretty clear. It's pretty easy to tell when things get shut down. And so, uh, so I started going on mission trips. And uh, that just, it just exploded. I went from no mission trips to uh, six months later I was back in East Asia. And then six months after that I was back in South Asia. And then Southeast Asia. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to give you a whole litany of it. But I, I ended up going twice a year. And it was, it was great. I mean, I loved it. And immediately, within a year, I started spending significant time when I would be over there somewhere, sitting up at night at a hotel room or something or out in the village or wherever I was thinking, I really just want to be here forever. Why doesn't God put me here forever? And I would, I would, I would, I would lose sleep on short-term mission trips, agonizing over whether or not or how I could be here at that place all the time. And that's how I spent most of my time. And then I would come home, and when I would come home, I would spend a large part of the year talking to my missions colleagues, uh, emailing with friends overseas uh, with various agencies, meeting with people in agencies, I mean, looking at all the you know, mounds of paperwork and stuff, trying to start filling out, just agonizing over, why is God, I mean, I don't get it. I have this desire to go. I'm going all the time. I, I, why am I not there? And so I, I tried everything I could do to get there. And um, finally, I was talking to, talking to a guy once. Um, in fact, he's going to speak here tomorrow. He's the last plenary speaker, David Sills, one of my really great friends, who wrote a book called The Missionary Call. I was going to, now you know that. You're like, I, I just go to that, right? But um, we were sitting at lunch one day, and he said, okay, now hold on. Let's just think about this for a second. You are engaged in missions. You don't teach missions, but you emphasize missions all the time. You speak at missions conferences. You go overseas on short-term, short-term trips regularly, more than a lot of people do. And, you know, you're involved at GMHC and, you know, pretty heavily involved. He's like, what is it exactly you're looking for in terms of how God's calling you into missions? 
And then it just dawned on me. I had been so set on, on, on I had been so set on viewing the mission's call as simply like you've got to be like lifelong forever one place over there that it didn't even dawn on me all the various ways I was vo- involved in missions constantly almost, including this. And, and, and even while I was doing things like this, it just never dawned on me that, you know, this could be what some people would call a missionary call. You know, it just wasn't sort of in the traditional sense. Um, and so maybe you're here today, maybe you're here today and you're wrapped up with that idea. And I think it's good. I think, it, I think it's a good thing to be wrapped up with. And it's not going to get worked out exactly the way it got worked out in my life. And I'm not saying everything's like, you know, completely smooth. Like, I'm not saying, hey, I've got to figure it out. But maybe you're, you're probably here today because there's something in the title that interests you. You either think, I hate that word calling. Or you're here because you think, I, I really want to know if God's calling me to missions. Or you think, you know, I, want to, I really want to know if God's guiding me to missions. And I really want to know how I'll know. Right? That's what we mean. That's what we do a lot. I want to know how I'll know. When God lets me know what I need to do, I, somebody tell me how I'm going to know that. And, and then that's what we do. We, we, we sort of think that way. Um, so what's the, but what's the Bible have to say? What's the Bible have to say about God's guidance? There, I finally got it out. God's guidance into missions. Well, not a lot. But it has a lot to say about God's plan for the world that involves the nations. Let me say this right off the bat, just as sort of the background. Remember, you are at this very minute among the nations. It doesn't dawn on us too much living in America that we are actually among, we think we're the nation and that we, like the starting point is here. And then we go, you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like it's the new Jerusalem and that the disciples began in America and went out. We think that way. But we are, we, 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 are, we are among the nations already by definition of being where we are right now. Now, it doesn't mean, I'm not, I'm not saying, so therefore you don't ever need to go anywhere other than where you are. I just want to say, where you are right now is, with, beyond a shadow of a doubt, among the nations. It just is. You were born there. You were. Because when Jesus gave... The first, uh, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, go out among the nations, they were there, then they went out, and now we're here, among the nations. And it hasn't, we haven't sort of flip-flopped so that America is now descending nation, biblically somehow. We act like it is, but it isn't. It isn't. Uh, as, and we, we, we do send people, obviously, but all, you understand what I mean? I don't want to keep sort of belaboring that fact. But it's something that we rarely ever think about, and that is, hey, you know, we're already kind of there in the sense of starting from scratch. We, we, we already are. But here's what the Bible has to say about missions. It starts early, but I'm going to start here. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the first sort of setup in the Bible for what we call missions. That's it right there. That last line. Through you, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. That's how it begins. 
that's the there's there's the un, there's the beginning of God's unfolding plan for guidance into missions, and then that idea is taken up. I'm skipping way ahead in the Bible. When you read the Great Commission, what you're reading is God is Jesus saying to the disciples, "You know that promise God made to Abraham way back when? It's been fulfilled." And that's why that's what he says to them. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what it is. What we're involved in, what you're involved in, when you're involved in any way, shape, or form of sharing the gospel in some sort of fashion with other people, what you're basically telling people is God kept his promise to Abraham. Because what is the blessing to the nations? The blessing to the nations is the gospel. That's what it is. That's how the nations are blessed. The nations are blessed through the message that Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus has died for our sins. Jesus rose again and is seated on uh, the throne in heaven at the right hand of God. And is living and reigning and coming again. That's the blessing. When you share that message with people, you're sharing with them the biggest blessing you could possibly share with them. What you're saying is, God's done this for us. And we can take part in it. You can take part in it. There's no bigger, there's lots of blessings, but there's no bigger blessing than that. And I think that's, I think that's, that's what's, that's what's at, the heart, at the heart of the Great Commission. Is telling people God keeps his promises. You can trust God to keep his promises. And so that's what we're doing. We're going around saying, hey, God keeps his promises. And so every time you're, when you're thinking about going into missions or you're thinking about sharing the gospel with somebody or whatever it is you're doing, one of the things, you need to, one of the things that can encourage you along the way as you're trying to discern exactly what that means for you is God is including you in his eternal plan that he has worked through Christ. You. And it doesn't matter if anybody ever writes a biography about you or not. Ever. Or if anybody even knows who you are, it doesn't matter. Because God knows who you are. And God gives, us this, God gives us this sort of marching orders. To do what? Just to simply go tell people, hey, God keeps his word. And this is, that's the blessing. Now, the Bible also has a lot to say about early efforts to fulfill that commission. These are all from Acts. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, uh, without hindrance. That's how, Paul, that's how the book of Acts ends, right? The book of Acts begins with Jesus saying, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Uh, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. It ends with Paul in the capital of the end of the earth at the time, basically, uh, in prison, which looks like, wow, this thing is not going well, right? I mean, he's the first and best missionary and theologian of the Christian church. And not that, what, you know what I mean by, if, if you're a huge, like, Peter and James fan or whatever, I'm not slighting anybody. I'm just saying <laughs> Acts ends talking about Paul. That's so, that's that, I'm just making an observation. And so, uh, it looks like, man, this is uh, not off to a great start here. But Paul, if you read Paul's account of being in prison, he counts it as the great thing. For one, Paul's in prison. He's getting to speak to a group of people who nobody has access to, and that is Caesar's own personal guard. They're called the Praetorian Guard. You can't just be some regular guy and walk up and talk to the Praetorian Guard. 
he has total access to them. And he says he's preaching, though he's in prison, house, house imprisonment, he's preaching without hindrance. And in another place he says, because of my imprisonment, other people are emboldened to share the gospel. And so, but none of that really, none of that really is about how do you discern your own personal call or God's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I give up. I'm just going to keep using that word. How do you discern your own personal way into missions? Now, here's the big text. This is it. This is discussed. When you talk about the missionary missionary guidance, no text more than this, I think, comes up. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and join us and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is also known as the Berean call, right? Paul gets called, and and he gets this vision. That is one of the closest texts we have in the Bible that shows sort of a discernible, there's really no arguing with this, personal call to a certain place. Um, It's not the only one, but this is the most well-known one. And this is the one I hear about a lot. I've, I've had people say to me, hey, you know, I'm just waiting for my Berean call. I'm like, okay, what, what's that mean? I mean, are you waiting to hear a voice? They're like, well, yeah. Like, not, not, and everybody's really fast to say, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be a voice voice. I'm like, okay, well, which vo- what kind of voice is it? It's not a voice voice. What is it? Like, in your head? Because i got voices in my head right now, right, this second. And I have voices in my head right now while I'm talking to you, right? Now, ho- hopefully, I don't want to unnerve you. I'm just being, but we, we, we all do because we think, like, when you think, you think in your voice, right? You, like, this is what we do. Maybe I'm the only one. Just revealed something. This is my last year at GMHC. And so I think, so what, what, what voice? Like an overwhelmed, like one voice in your head that stands out more than others? Somehow, or it's not your voice, like it's an outside. Like I can make an outside voice in my head right now that doesn't sound like me. And I've had people say that they just, they had this sense of, and I don't want to get into whether we hear God's voice. That's not the point here. The big point about Paul's Berean call is what? He was already out doing what we call missions when he was called to go to Macedonia. In other words, Paul wasn't sitting at home, sort of sitting back thinking, I don't know what God wants me to do. And then God's like, hey, get up off the chair. I need you to go to Macedonia. Paul's already out doing it. Now, God had called him and commissioned him to do this, right? And I'm not saying it's one-to-one and therefore, you know, whatever. I'm just saying... We need to be careful when we use examples like this that we think about the, that we think about what was really going on. And what was really going on is Paul was already doing it. It was just a call to relocate for a time and keep doing what he was already doing. It, 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 so, so that's I mean that's one that's one thing. Now here's here's a often often, often hear things like uh, well you know there's such a need right and there is. There is, there is. So we'll, we'll get really, we'll get really, uh, we'll get really exercised or whatever because we know there's, we know there's so much need in the world. But I had a one of my most trusted friends who is living overseas said, "If you go on the basis of need, you will never be settled. Not ever." He said because there's need everywhere, 
And he's in one of what we would call one of the neediest places on earth. And he said, I can think of all kinds of places that are more needy than where I am right now. He said, so that only get you so far thinking about need. Now, it's good to think about need, right? And it's good to think about, you know, maybe right now I have certain gifts and abilities and I'm in a place that's overwhelming or overflowing with people with similar things. How can I maybe use these gifts and abilities in a different place where it's needed more? That's, that's totally legitimate. But it can't only be driven by there's a need somewhere. Because you get somewhere and you'll hear, you'll hear about a need somewhere else. Inevitably. So it can't just be, it can't just be based on need. Um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a text. Now, when I went to Troas, this is Paul again. To preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord opened a door for me. Now he has an open door. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. Well, so here Paul, there's a need. He has an open door, but he doesn't go. He doesn't. And nobody, there's no commentary. Is like, and therefore Paul disobeyed. Right? And nobody's ever, I've never really, I've heard lots of stuff said about the Bible. But the one thing I haven't yet heard is that Paul was disobedient when God gave him an open door and he didn't go through it. And he didn't go through it because he wanted to go, he wanted to go find Titus. So the point's this. The point I'm trying to make is this. The world is wide open to us. And God has given us... Um, the Bible that unfolds according to a story about how God is reaching the nations. And he says to us generally, go and make disciples of all people. And telling them, and, and preaching, preaching the gospel, and telling them, tell them who I am. And the Bible gives us plenty of examples of God at work fulfilling his word through his people. It's one example after another, after another, after another. But it says very little about a personal missionary call. It, it doesn't. What about, I mean, it has a lot to say about things like gifts. Right? First Corinthians. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, fourth missionaries. No, I made that up. It's not there. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and the missionaries. It's also not there. You're probably thinking, this, I hope you're not getting depressed or anything. I'm just trying to say, I'm, I'm going to give you the good news here in a minute. Because the good news is, we, the good news is, is there's a lot of things we sit and grapple with and, 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 and have all kinds of anxiety over that we really don't need to when we're thinking about what God's calling us to do. So there's no clear voice, clear verse that says, here's your missionary call. Go to Timbuktu or wherever. And there's not a clear text that tells us which gifts might be needed or which open door to take. So what do we, how do we think about this idea of God's guidance then? Number one, you think of it simply this. Nothing, including your whole entire life, is out of God's control. Nothing. Not even your um, desire to figure out where God is guiding you and how. God, God, that you might feel sort of you, you, at any time, any all, all of us might feel at any given time sort of directionless, or that we're trying to find a direction. But that's not ever true with God, not ever. Even in the midst of however much anxiety we might be having. And here's what God has to say. My, or, this is David. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to being. Now, that doesn't, you know, none of this means that we, always, we have an inside track on the details of God's plan for our life. Um, but what it tells us is this, that regardless of my particular gifts, regardless of my particular sense of where I need to be, that doesn't change the fact, that doesn't change the fact that God is in control of your life and God is on board with you. That he's for you. And that he does have, God does love you and have a plan for your life. People used to say that all the time. And that's true. But, and you might not know exactly what that is. But sometimes I think we need to be more content with just knowing those sorts of things and then seeing what kind of opportunities God puts before us. And, and we need to be prayerful. We need to be thinking about it. We need to do all those things. I, I, I 100% think that. But I also think that sometimes what we need to be doing is just think, you know, here's an opportunity. I don't, I don't know if I match up perfectly for it or not. I've got lots of doubts. But I'll tell you this. If you wait until every doubt is gone, and if you wait until think, you know what, I am 100% the person for this. There is nobody more qualified than me. Nobody could do this better than me. I'm the one. The one. We kind of wait for that sort of fit, but the thing is, is you never get that kind of fit. You don't. You might just be the one there at the time, and there's an opportunity, and you might think of, here's ten things about me that maybe don't match up for this. But... I'm going, to, I'm going to go. I'm going to try anyway, because God's given me this opportunity. And I know, I know that all my days were ordained for me in the book before even one of them came to be, in God's knowledge of you. Right? Knowing that God knows us inside and out, frontwards and backwards, and knows where we've come from and knows where we're going. I think we need to sort of start there when we're thinking about how does God guide us into into missions and whatever we may be, whatever we may. Be. Uh, whatever we may mean by that. Here's another one. Everybody knows this verse. Because it's hard to discern sometimes a specific personal call, but you know what the Bible's really concerned about? Is to tell us how we need to live. Because call, for, call in the Bible, first and foremost, has nothing to do with geography. Because we sometimes, we sometimes I, I, get, I hear this a lot, I have, I'm concerned about lots of students, and I'll, and, and I'll get the idea from people. They don't say this straight out. Is that, you know, I'm at home. I don't really share the gospel with anybody right now. I don't really engage with a lot of people other than the people I know. But you put me overseas, I'm going to be on fire. And this is, we think this. We think if God will just change me geographically, I'll be different. Now, but think about it this way. Yes. When I get put in a place where I don't know the language... I don't look like anybody else. I stand out as not looking like anybody else. I don't even know how to buy groceries right. I don't know what money is in my hand exactly. Yeah, that's going to embolden me in every way. It's, it's not. It isn't. Being more uncomfortable does not make you more bold. Not necessarily. And so what I think we need to do is back up a little bit and think about how does God want me to live? Because that has nothing to do with geography. It's across the board. And what we're called to is faith and faithfulness. And I think we need to have those sorts of things in our minds rolling around and be most concerned about those things first. And then I'm not saying everything else will just be like 
you know, God opens up just you know, it's a big wide path. Now you just go. I'm just saying, if we don't begin where the Bible begins when it talks about our lives, because the Bible does not begin talking about our lives about where we need to be geographically or what we need to be doing exactly. It talks from beginning to end, though, about how we ought to live and who, how we ought to be and what kind of people we ought to be. And, uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. All your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. We're called to live for God. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first greatest missionary of the church didn't really speak to people a whole lot about how do they, how do they discern their own personal call. He spoke to them all the time about how they ought to live in the world, though. And I'm afraid that, and I'm speaking personally, I'm afraid too often we get, we get too concerned with what we do and not concerned enough about what we are or how we live. And we might be living in whatever way, just thinking, you know, my life will fall into place. Like, I, my, I'm sort of in a shambles right now, but my life will fall into place if God will just move me geographically. My problems will go away. But you know what? You get, a, you get anywhere you go and you open your suitcase, and whether you thought you packed them or not, there they are. You brought them, right? You don't even have to pay extra to check another bag because they came with you, right? That's true. And, and, but I, and, I, and so I think, I think that's really, really the kind of thing we need to be focused on every day. I'm not saying, and again, I'm not saying if you, if you do, then all of a sudden God says, okay, here you go. Here's your plan. But there, it's unavoidable. It is unavoidable in the Bible that regardless of what we do and what we're called to do and where God puts us, it is unavoidable that God calls us to live in a certain way. And also to live in a certain way so that we can be witnesses, like loving one another and doing good for others. Right? That's the most important thing. There is nothing in our lives more important than living a life of faithfulness to God. Nothing. Geography means... Not even Geography doesn't even take second place to that. Because it doesn't matter where you live, the call on your life is the same. God is, God is guiding you to be conformed to the image of Jesus wherever you are. And, and, and if, we're, if we're really concerned about that first and foremost, you might not agree with what I'm getting ready to say. The other things will not be anywhere near so difficult. Nowhere near. You might not have all the answers... But you'll have confidence, more confidence, right? Knowing that God is in control and that God is, God is the king of your life. And so, I mean, the Bible is filled with good news to us today if we're trying to discern God's guidance in, in, in relation to what we typically call missions. That is, there's no, there's no, no particular skill set needed. Because there's, there's lots of different things to do. But God gives each and every one of us gifts according to his will and according to what's needed. And those gifts and things that you have are needed everywhere. Even if it's not the same gifts of like some kind of standout person that you know, who everybody knows, right? Who's like, you know, either overseas or a pastor or, um, you know, um, um, somebody in whoever's the top of the field in medical missions or speaking or whatever. You don't have to be any of those people. You know why? Because God already has them. 
So, and then God is never going to look at you and say, you're okay, but man, she really showed me some stuff. No. Because God never compares you to anybody else. Ever. God never sets us up so that, so it's like, yeah, you did pretty good. These people really impressed me. It's God. He is equally impressed with each of us. And that can mean lots of different things. So you're not under pressure to be somebody other than who you are, except in the fact of, except in the, except in the terms of how we walk in our own personal holiness and faithfulness to God. That's the thing that we need to be adding and continuing and pursuing. But as far as the gifts you have and what you're able to do, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have, to have any anxiety over not having other things than what you're able to do. And God can use every single one of those things and does. And that's why he makes us each one individual. And I think that's why he doesn't, in the Bible, say a whole lot about how you will know or discern exactly here's God telling you to do something. You know why? Because we are first and foremost called to live by faith. Not by sight. But when it comes to try to, like what we call a missionary call, we tend to forget that the Bible is all about living by faith and not by sight. And so we, what we want is we want, like, a, we want to hear a voice. Or we want to see like some kind of like sign of some kind. Like a sign that only we can see. Like some kind of like heavenly neon or something that's pointing us in a certain direction. But all that sight, the Bible calls us to live by faith. And by faith, we can with confidence step through certain doors. Like, for instance, you're here, this, you're here this, uh, these next few days. There are people all around who would give you plenty of different opportunities to go do what they do. Or to be here and support them. Or to be involved with them somehow. Or to start your own thing. It's all over the place. Just go to one, one, one exhibit hall. There's more than one. And what you'll see there is, I mean, when you go in there today, I want you to do me one favor. Walk in and say, wow, look at all these opportunities. And, and, and every single person who's called to take those opportunities is called to do the same thing. That is, live before God faithfully in the footsteps of Jesus. Every single person. So we all have the same, we all have the same most important call. And that is to live like Christ. And to live for others. To love God and love our neighbors. Every single, 100% of us share the same calling. And that calling is 100% clear and you can't argue with it, and everybody can see it. And so this, you need to, we, we, you, me, all of us, need to have more confidence in the fact that the most important thing God wants from us, he tells us clear as day. It couldn't be clearer. Now, is there anything particular we can say? Because <laughs> I'm sure you're like, okay, that's great. But is there anything, can we, can we know anything? Well, we know this. God's desire is for the nations and for people. Let's just put it that way. God's desire is for people to hear about him. Number one, you can't argue with that. So that's good. Number two, God has enlisted his people to carry out his plan to reach people. Right? That's true. All of us. And three, God has given us all different sorts of gifts according to his will. Those are three things you can know for certain. Those three things. I'll just say it again. God's desire is for all people. He's enlisted us to carry that out. He has a means to reach them. That means that means is, is, is that we're the means that God uses. And he's given us all sorts of different gifts according to his own will. So there's just no exact blueprint or heavenly AAA roadmap for us to get there or like Siri or something. There's no heavenly Siri. 
There just isn't. Right? Um, maybe that's because God wants us to live by faith. And God wants us by faith to be able to discern how he's leading us in different ways according to the time, according to our abilities. And I think, uh, I think a good rule of thumb is this. Love God. Consider whether your desires and actions are in keeping with the Bible. And then follow your heart for the nations, for people. And it's hard to imagine going incredibly wrong doing that. It's hard to imagine at the end of the day, God will say, yeah, you loved me. You were thoughtful about whether or not you lived according to my word. And you had a heart for people. This wasn't good enough. That's exactly what God wants from us. And so all I'm trying to say to you is you're freed up. You're freed up not to spend like countless hours just trying to agonize about what God, where God wants you to be. Because God will make that clear to you in one way or another. And maybe he's already made it clear. It's positive. A lot of times that's true. A lot of times that's true. It's already clear. It's just we're not sort of taking that step to follow him where he's leading us. And there's not just one way. Um, I, know, I know plenty of people who are, uh, I know a guy who was an EMT, as I was talking about earlier. He was an EMT his whole life, and he went to Bangladesh once, and now he's there full, full on. Um, I know another guy who was a, a, an executive for a, a famous European car company in America. And he quit that job, and now he's a business leader in East Asia. And his, that's his missionary platform. Uh, I know another couple who they are doing translation and um, um, reaching unreached people groups in uh, Papua New Guinea. And I know other people who are, who are on mission fields in, in support roles. I know people who are there using their various medical skills and gifts. I know people who have not many medical skills and gifts who are there assisting people who do. And the fact is, is all of you have, every single one of you has gifts that are needed and useful. And we need to sort of figure out what those are and then think, okay, how can God, how can God use me? How can I be used? But then the first thing we think is, how can I live in a faithful way? How can I live for Christ first every day in my life and stop being so wrapped up about geography? Right? Because geography, geography won't change us. And so, you know, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of different things to say. Our time is running out. Um, you know, I just I know I know lots of people like I'm, I'm just talking. This is a true story. It's not as though the other things I said weren't true. So I'm not singling this out as the true story. But I was talking to a guy not long ago, and he was talking about how he's just called the missions, called the missions, called the missions, but his wife doesn't share it. And I said, did they ever consider maybe you're not called the missions because your wife isn't? At least your particular brand of it. Because he had a particular brand that he wanted to follow. Um, I said, you know, I don't think it's, it's, you think it's faithful? He's like, well, I I just sort of feel like she should go with me. I'm like, really, is that? I said, let's think about it. Are you thinking about a biblical model of missions? Shouldn't you first be thinking about a biblical model of marriage first? Right? Because he's so wrought up with his calling that he was sort of, he was thinking of a different way. He wasn't even thinking about it. He was thinking of doing something that would be completely disobedient to the word in terms of how husbands and wives are supposed to function together. But that, that wasn't mattering to him because he, he thought he had discerned a call. I was like, brother, I'm going to hate to tell you this. No, I, I like to tell you this. You are not called to missions. You're not. 
you're called to try to figure out what it means to be a husband. And I don't speak to everybody that directly, but this guy gave me the opportunity to do it, and I took it. And so, but again, again, if we just remember that, right, that God, God's, God's first and foremost concern about us personally is who we are and how we live. And then he opens up, there's, there's so many opportunities you can take. And you don't have to be anybody but who God created you to be. And so I, I, I haven't really given you any guidance. I haven't sort of opened particular doors for you. But what I hope to have done is to help us all to be able to sit back and think, yeah, you know what? Regardless of who I am, where I am at any given moment, the fact is none of us are, none of us are overseas at this minute. That is incontrovertible. But that, has not, that doesn't change one bit how God wants us to live today. Because if we, were, if we were somewhere like go somewhere in South Asia, go 100 miles to the last, last place on the map, turn right and keep going, God's call in your life would be no different there than it is right now this today. And that is to love him and love others. And you have an opportunity today to love God and to love those around you. You do every single day. And so let's not miss all the opportunities we have because we keep thinking about what God might do for me one day. We spend so much time thinking about the future and what life will be like. But you know what the best, you know what, and some of you are you're in school or, or you're, 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 you know, you're, you're work, like lots of you probably have jobs and things like that. Um, in fact, we all do of some, some kind or another. You're just maybe, you're just in a place right this minute you can't just pack up and go. Um, and that, that's true. But the, you know what the best barometer is if you think, I wonder how I'll do. You know what the best barometer is for how you'll be in the future? What you're like today. And that's why God calls us to live by faith. And so I haven't given you any secrets to the God's missionary call or guidance. But, I mean, God calls us to the nations. And that takes all kinds of different forms. And so what we need to do is strive to be faithful to Jesus. And then use whatever gifts we have, either for your neighbor across the street or somebody in some place you've never heard of before. We have a few minutes for, if anybody has any questions, I went pretty far. Yes? Um, scripture, especially in the Old Testament, speaks of divination. Mm-hmm. Strife is a sin. But it remains a strong undercurrent in the Christian community that we now have to find it. It's sort of what God's will or call is to Yeah. What was, it? what was the last part? Comments. Do you have any comments about how Scripture describes divination as a sin and yet we continue to seek to... Yeah, I do. Um, I do, because as, as much as we talk about it, we don't want to live by faith. We talk about wanting to live... We, we, we want to live by things that are seen. And that's, that's one of the things about divination, if you will, or any kind of sort of manipulation of things in the universe, right? Is that it... It's so to, to manipulate them so that we can we see, and then we have like, oh, I can see this. I'm going to do this, which is the opposite of the way God calls us. Which I, one of the reasons, and plus, it's not trusting God. So, yeah, that's a good question. Anything else? No. Okay. Well. Oh, yes. Wait. Yes. Uh. uh which three? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to be like smart aleck or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's what you can be confident about, and here's why you have. A, here's why God is guiding you into missions in some way, shape, or form. One hundred percent. Number one, 
God's desire is for all people. That's his desire. Um, Number two, God uses us to fulfill that desire of his. I said it differently earlier as God carried out his plan. But God's desire is for all people. God reaches those people that he desires through us. He uses us to do that. He uses his people, not, you know, obviously. And then, finally, he's given us all sorts of different gifts according to his will to use as we have the opportunity. So, there's not, in other words, there's not a particular skill set you have to have. All you've got to do is be you and love Jesus. And that's, that's the skill set you need. And then you can figure out how to use the gifts and abilities you have. Okay? All right. Oh, yes, one more. Okay. You think so? Huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're out of... I mean, I thought about it, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's another one, but it, it, is, it, it is used, but it's, but it's another example, right? So it's, we still have so few in those kind of ways, but I think that... Oh, I'm sorry, we're over time. If, if you want to come on up and we can, we can keep talking? But everybody needs to go to a different session. Um, yeah, come on up and we'll talk about that a little bit. I wish I'd have brought it up some, but anyway, you guys have a you guys have a great day, and uh, I'll be around later. Um, I think I give this talk again later than a, a, something else in the morning. So blessings on all of you.